We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome into another Three Ma Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined here on KCSN as always by Derek Young from KCSN Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. This is your West Virginia preview episode. Wildcats head to Morgantown with uh, Big 12 championship aspirations. They need to win this game and beat Kansas to ensure a spot in Arlington. Could also get some help this week from the Jayhawks, and we'll talk more about that later on here in the pod. But, you know, we got to start with a nice shout-out to uh, our friends at Holiday Distillery. Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon, if you're a bourbon drinker, 360 Vodka, if that is more your speed. Great stuff on both fronts. Make sure you're stocking up on that for your tailgates. Uh, if you're going to Morgantown, mentioned this earlier, nice little exchange for some moonshine. I know those tailgates are very friendly. Been to four games in Morgantown. Uh, they'll definitely give you some moonshine, but make sure you have some 360 vodka or Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon to respond in kind. But for the rest of us that will not be there, uh, you know, just rock it on the couch this weekend. And, hey, you can bring some out to Bill Snyder Family Stadium next week, obviously, for the KUK State game, which will be in primetime on Fox. We now know, so we'll have a lot of time to tailgate, and uh, we'll be having a three-mile KCSN tailgate prior to the KUK State game as well. So stay tuned for more specific details on that. We'll be talking to you uh, about it more next week. But if you want to come stop by and uh, say hi to us three lovely gentlemen here and introduce yourself, uh, hang out, tailgate, have some fun before KUK State, then uh, then let's do that. So get ready for the uh, the holiday distillery tailgate coming up for the KUK State game. I don't DY. I say meet all of us three. DY's got important like media things to do. So you know, hopefully, hopefully, Derek will grace us with his presence at, at the tailgate. You know, it'll likely be a 50-50 proposition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Derek's gonna play hard to get, but me and Cole, me and Cole, will be there. For <laughs> Yeah, yeah. DY's a celebrity status. He's got to go do some work and put in work inside the stadium, get down on the sideline, get us those recruiting scoops. Um, you know, but but John and I, well, especially me, I'll be enjoying some beverages for sure at the uh, at the tailgate. So come by and have a drink with most us. Often, and, uh, yeah, most, most often I go into the stadium early to see who the quarterback's going to be for that game. Uh, I don't think that's going to have to be the case. At least hope not. Well, maybe on the KU side. Maybe on the KU side, yeah. we'll, we'll still be wondering. 
Uh, KU's got a couple quarterback injuries going right now. I was I was actually I was talking to a little little hawk source last night, boys. How about that? How about that? Um, as far as K State's quarterbacks go, we What's had a that? press conference with Chris Kleiman on uh, on Tuesday. I say we. I, I wasn't there. Uh, Derek <laughs> was though, and uh, Adrian Martinez is in fact out this week. We mentioned the reports that started to surface uh, late on Sunday about that. Adrian Martinez is out this week. Chris Kleiman did not make it seem like it's a season-ending injury. Like, well, I guess left open the possibility about Kansas and potentially a bowl game, but I don't know that they they feel particularly great about that. For now, it's going to be Will Howard's job at quarterback, and I, I would imagine at this point for the rest of the season. So, for those of us that were worried about Chris Kleiman going back to the Adrian Martinez well as opposed to Will Howard, don't have to worry about that. No, I certainly didn't want it to be at the expense of Adrian Martinez's health and K-State having a security blanket there at quarterback. But um, not only did we get all that, we can put this red shirt talk to bed too because Chris Kleiman said, hey, like Will's Will's on board. He's cool. If he's going to be playing quarterback in a team that might play for a Big 12 title, he'll, he'll take that and just burn the red shirt this year. Yeah, I think the only surprise that I took from it is I thought – they play the game of being coy and perhaps say game time decision and all that for the West Virginia game and not necessarily come out and be so blunt and say that Will Howard's starting quarterback. The on point, Chris Kleiman said, Will Howard, this is Will Howard's team. I think that was one of his quotes. So uh, I'd like to hear that. A little surprised to hear that. Typically, he likes to play the quarterback mystery game if given the opportunity. And he, he definitely had the opportunity to do so probably in this case and, and didn't. So that it's probably a case of them being confident in what they're getting from Will Howard and, you know, not, not wanting to leave the locker room in limbo maybe or the rest of the team in limbo maybe like they have in, in other games too. This would be uh, another bout of that if they chose to go that route. And and to be honest, I got the distinct impression, and this is nothing that Chris Kleiman said, so this is me re reading in between the lines and and kind of just taking what he says and trying to make my own conclusions off of it. But I got the distinct impression from what Kleiman said and then what we heard from players, you know, too, that this is probably Will Howard's show um, as long as, you know, he's healthy. I, I think they almost just decided, you know, he's playing well enough that, that he just has to be the guy from now on. I mean, I, I just I don't know how there's any other conclusion. So that that is that is good to hear. That is good to hear. It'll be interesting how Will Howard does. I know we got a question yesterday, Chris Kleiman did, about you know now knowing that he's the starting quarterback heading into a, a full game week, probably getting a few extra reps. And you know, from a, a mentality standpoint, he doesn't strike me as a guy that's really going to change the way he works about and goes about things. I mean, Chris Kleiman told the story a few weeks ago where on a Friday night before the TCU game, I think he was out there, you know, throwing balls. He hadn't played in a single snap all year, but was still out there um, a couple days before the game taking in extra reps. So I think he'll be fully prepared and, uh, and ready to go. And look, we'll get into the details of West Virginia, you know, later on in this show, but this is a, a very, very bad secondary. So if you are looking at an area to exploit uh, the Mountaineer secondary secondary is what to do it against, you know, their run defense isn't good, but it's, it's better than their pasty. So this is a time to, to go with a passing quarterback. I love that. They do. They just do have a. They have a Stills brother hanging around too, right? That that is a good pass rusher. Yeah. On the yeah, they have line. him. Yeah. yeah, they have him. I tell you what, they've had a Stills brother for a decade, like twenty years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like twenty years. I, I was. I mine was I, old when I realized that. I don't know which one. I don't know if it's Darius or Dante, which shows the 
the lack of prep work I put in on some wow. of the details. You know what, though? I overprepared for Tulane, all right? So I'm going to underprepare, all right? And uh, no, I'm, I'm prepared. We're still, we still got plenty of stuff for you people. In the group chat, it's been all like, oh, no, stop talking about the Kansas game. I'm focused on West Virginia. I'm focused on West Virginia. It appears that you're not very focused on West Virginia. I am focused on West Virginia, but also part of my focus has been getting out of going to Chicago, all right, <laughs> so that I can really focus on West Virginia. And my wife arrived home at 1030 last night from a work trip. And, uh, you know, I was trying to work an angle to not go. <laughs> not feeling great. So uh, how, how did that work for you? Didn't seem to didn't seem to work. We'll try it again tonight. <laughs> well, I thought, you know, I, I saw the uh, the Bosco's boys keys to V. And I said, make sure at Cole Manbeck doesn't go to Chicago. And I. I was the, I was very close to tagging Vanessa. I mean, frankly, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's why I, I, I did. I could tell by your reaction the other day. I was like, I don't feel like this is one where I, that might do more damage than good if I actually did. So I, I held I, off. I, I saw your tweet and I was like, oh, I, I panicked for a second. I'm like, oh, is is that tag in there? And then I saw other people tweeting and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and thankfully, no. Uh, anyways, I didn't mean to divert us off topic. West Virginia well, secondary. That's a, that's a huge Bad. headline, Cole. If you're not focused on West Virginia, that's a huge headline. Okay. I am focused on West Virginia. I don't think either of you are because John also is talking about inside sources about KU. Listen, you know, you show up to you show DY was actually your old stomping grounds. It was at Saints last night. Oh, you know, yeah. the Saints. And they, they were just, you know, KU was playing Duke in basketball. So it was crawling. Oh, you're hanging out with the you yeah, know, I'm I've been getting the sense that you've been leaning a little KU lately. So I just respect and fear a loss to their football team. So okay. now you're at a now you're at a KU basketball watch party. No, it was not a watch party. It was mm. with a couple old media friends who you know, one of which might have KU ties. Okay, that's you know, I did. I spent I spent ten years in this, made some friends along the way. Sometimes they can be Jayhawks. It's all Are right. you hanging out with Dylan Davis? <laughs> <laughs> No, I can confirm that was not who it was. Came the Scootmeister. It was Dylan Davis and the Scootmeister. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Me and me and good old Vernzy. That's what I call him, Vernzy. You know, we were uh, we were hanging out last night. All right. Let me get this back on the rails. Anybody have anything else about the quarterbacks here? Are we? I assume we get zero rushing attempts. Yeah. Maybe I'll just put that in. I should put that in quick hitters. Over under. Don't answer that. We'll answer it later. Over under one half. Of a of a design quarterback run. What a what a podcast! I'll throw out a question. Don't answer that. <laughs> no, it's it's a tease because you're gonna have to you're gonna have to wait for it later on. All right. Headline number two. Speaking of West Virginia, there's a lot going on there. Uh, they obviously changed quarterbacks last year or last week and uh, got a win because of it with Garrett Green rushing for over 100 yards against Oklahoma. So you've got that kind of revitalization going on. They just won a second huge home game. I mean they. I think Cole said it earlier. If you would have told them they beat Oklahoma and Baylor at the beginning of the year, most people would feel pretty good. Uh, they did that. And then this week they fired their athletic director, which would seem to mean the writing is on the wall for Neil Brown. Uh, so there's just, you know, for, for being a below average football team, I do feel like there's just a lot of noise happening right now with West Virginia than, than there would have been even last week if you were going into that game, playing that game. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't really know what to make of that or how it really – affects West Virginia as a team. I mean, I would I would seem to think the quarterback thing can be pretty galvanizing. And, uh, you know, Cole, Cole and I both did 
interviews with West Virginia folks this week and just listening to a lot of the stuff about Garrett Green. He's definitely like the program guy, loves the program, definitely was like endearing himself to fans and like, I'm just glad I can stick around and play here at this wonderful university, that kind of thing. So he's I think he's a galvanizing force uh, in some ways in that in that Mountaineer locker room. And they seem to think he's he's going to be the dude. Uh, that plays, even though Derek said we should be more scared of JT Daniels. So I don't know. I, Cole, where do you where do you feel like all of this comes down, you know, for West Virginia and how that affects them in the game? Yeah, when I when I did a show last night in West Virginia, um, it, it sounds like the, the way they talk about Garrett Green is he's a guy that the players seem to really rally around and just gives them an extra spark. And uh, they look different with him. You know, if if I'm looking at it from a K-State perspective, I think I prefer Garrett Green to be the quarterback. Uh, you know, because when I look at West Virginia's roster, I see a lot of talent at the receiver position and Green is not much of a passer. And I think he will potentially make a couple of big mistakes. And I just I like K-State's defense to be able to go up against a run attack. Now, I say that, you know, K-State's secondary is actually best in the Big 12 and pass efficiency defense and 19th in the country. And so that's a great secondary K-State has. I'm not saying Echo Boido and Julius Brents and the safeties wouldn't be able to lock down on Bryce Ford, Wheaton, Sam James, and Prather on the outside. But I just feel like JT Daniels is, is hot and cold. And if he is on, he can be quite the weapon for them at the quarterback position. And I, I just prefer to go with more of the younger, mistake-prone quarterback that hasn't gotten a lot of reps or experience that's a little more one-dimensional, and I think that's a little easier to game plan for if I'm K-State. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they play both. Um, but, yeah, it, it certainly sounds like Green might be the guy that, that gets a start. And if they're struggling, you know, Daniels probably comes in. Yeah, I'm with Cole. I'd rather see uh, Garrett Green. I think, you know, he might be the galvanizing force for that team. But I And I think that he was the answer and, and probably the reason the spark that he provided that they beat Oklahoma. But I, I just don't know that he's the best answer against Kansas State. That's probably still JT Daniels. Kind of surprised. I know he's been hot and cold. Kind of surprised that the hook for JT Daniels is, is so um, quick, right? But uh, I mean, that decision is what won Neil Brown the game last week and why he's still employed this week or else he would have probably been out the door with Shane Lyons, I imagine. Um, you just can't fire a coach after he beats Oklahoma. I assume that's probably why he's still in charge there. Uh, but for Kansas State, I think you'd rather see Green than Daniels for all the reasons that, that Cole mentioned. And I just can't see him duplicating that performance that he had in Norman. Although, he, you know, about every time he's been in the game this year, he's been good. But he, he just scares me less. I do think the receivers for West Virginia are also the best part of their offense. And and you really can't unlock them as much with Green as you can with Daniels. And, look, he probably raises your floor, Garrett Green, if you're a West Virginia team. I think he raises your floor, but I don't think your ceiling is anywhere close to what it is with JT Daniels at quarterback because he's the kind of guy that can go in there and light it up and throw for 80%, throw for 350 and four touchdowns if he's on his A game. And there's nothing you can do about it regardless of how good your defense is. So that's why JT Daniels scares me more. Yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> I mean, I I do agree with you. I think a good way to frame it is that like the, the ceiling is lowered. Um, JT Daniels would have a higher ceiling there, but in terms of where they're at right now, I mean, maybe this is more of what they need just to have a chance because it just it was not working clearly with JT Daniels. And I, as far as the hook being short, I mean, look, I mean Neil Brown, I, I think he's just desperate at this point. So whatever, and that is something to keep in mind throughout the game. I mean, this is going to be a team with nothing to lose and trying to pull whatever strings they have, like anything that's available to them to try and fight and scrap their way to a win. So you, you are going to get 
I would imagine kind of a yeah, maybe desperate is is the wrong word because who knows how much they really care about the bull eligibility piece of this. But I mean, Neil Brown certainly is going to be like a desperate guy because why, yeah. why would he not be in desperation mode right now? He's not going to care convention, fourth down, strict plays, whatever. I would imagine it's just all going to be on the table for him. No, I, I think I think they'll probably coach in a desperate way. I'm just not sure that the roster behind Neil Brown is just as desperate. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, storyline number three. Watching the uh, speaking of the the basketball that was on last night at halftime or in between games rather, uh, we got the college football playoff rankings coming out. And man, K State gets more respect than any three loss team in America. Number fifteen in the college football playoff rankings shout out to gene taylor we know it was mean gene pounding the table behind the scenes right you know they say he can't be involved in those discussions i bet he was just busting down the door like all right mfers here's what's happening all right k-state's in the top 15 and that's that's final and uh k-state winds up as uh the number 15 team in the country much more respect than I'm, the ap poll i mean these bozos i'm sitting here getting the ap voter lsu tv douche you know, yesterday that I'm getting mad at on Twitter. It's like, come on, man. So I'm just glad that the esteemed gentleman of the college football playoff selection committee that I would never say a bad word about that clearly understand football and what is going on. Uh, I'm just glad that they had enough sense to put K-State in the top 15 and uh, the rest of the polls did not. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. If, uh, look, if it was lower than 15, I wouldn't have necessarily complained just because in the course of the last month, Kansas State's kind of done the seesaw thing. So maybe they didn't want to you know, buy back into Kansas State once again like they had before. I think they were as high as 13, right, before they lost to TCU, I want to say. Um, so, no, I, I could understand a, a lower grade. But I have to – I would think that the committee, based on their ranking, um, is definitely leaning more into those – you know, analytical measures that a lot of them have Kansas State, what, anywhere from 8 to 12 is what I've seen in yeah. most places. I think they're probably spending more time looking at those kinds of uh, uh, metrics than, than necessarily the coaches or the AP pollsters. Yeah, I was – when I were watching the show last night, I was, I was expecting K-State to pop on on that second window of the 16 <laughs> to 20. And when they, they weren't there, I was like, wow, they're going to be top 15. Uh, they're definitely showing a lot of respect to K-State. And, uh, you know, it, if you win these next two games, you're going to be close to the top 10, depending on how this shakes out. So uh, we talked earlier this year about the chance to really be relevant in November and December, right? And K-State is right there with the chance to knock on the door. They're already relevant, clearly. But, yeah, um, yeah. and, you know, you mentioned the Gene Taylor on the committee. John, you know, who's the, uh, who's the chairman? of the uh, the college football playoff committee it's the north carolina mm -hmm. state athletic director corgan mm -hmm. right yeah who came from north carolina state that's now at k-state oh yeah mr linton that's right k-state's got it working from all angles we're <laughs> politicking this way and we're going to be the first Kansas State's going to be the first three lost team in the playoff by the end of this thing after they they beat tcu in arlington yeah i mean if only we had a longhorn on the side of our helmet man there'd probably be some legitimate talk about that <laughs> I still, I was, I got really, I know I hate like talking about playoff rankings and all that stuff. Obviously we're doing it from a K-State standpoint. I hate the people who like view college football through the lens of, oh, well, how does this impact the playoff race? It's like, I mean, that's taking, that's sucking so much of the joy out of college football. Right. But I, I was reading, it was an Adam, Adam Rittenberg piece at ESPN that I, I saw making the rounds on Twitter, like a little screenshot of it where he was talking about for TCU 
their strength of schedule versus what Michigan has put together because Michigan stayed in front of them in the rankings. It's like Penn State is going to be a better uh, data point than anything that TCU puts together. And, I mean, I'm looking at this. So Penn State's hanging out there at number 11. Penn State is a joke. Michigan is a fraud. Like, what we're going to hold up Penn State. I mean, at least TCU has has beaten K-State number 15. They've beaten Oklahoma State number 22. Texas, who, I mean, the most impressive thing they've done in the eyes of most of the national media this year is win at Texas this past weekend. These are all – but here, here is Michigan's schedule. Colorado State, Hawaii, Yukon, Maryland, Iowa, Indiana, Penn State, Michigan State, Rutgers, Nebraska. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. Michigan has not played a soul outside of a all, an always overrated Penn State team that is the champion of beating up on the crappy bottom of the bottom tier Big Ten teams and then losing every time they get a shot at a big game and typically losing by two or three scores. I that that drove me insane when I saw that and then saw that Michigan is still hanging out in front of TCU. Screw yeah. that, man. Mm-hmm. Technically, Ohio State would be the same argument. The only thing they have in addition to that is Notre Dame. Which is looking bad. I mean, that to me is substantial. I think that's significant. Yeah. I mean, Jed, our, Jed, our producer, is a Michigan fan, and uh, I think we're, we're upsetting him. So I, I think Michigan's a good football team. I think we all aren't going to argue that. But uh, from a schedule standpoint, I, do not need to, I don't need to watch them get – 50 balled in the playoff again. Uh, sorry, Jed. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch that. Uh, they're going to get 50 balled by Ohio State first. So at least there will be that. If we're going to talk about the playoff maybe for a couple more minutes, another thing that was interesting is two loss. And maybe it's not interesting because USC plays a dirt schedule too, but two loss LSU ahead of one loss USC. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's a schedule driven that USC hasn't played anybody. Um, yeah. But why does it matter then? Well, that's a good point. I mean, USC, until Oregon State got into the rankings, like a 23-24, USC didn't have a top 25 win um, when you look up and down their schedule. And then they they barely beat Cal uh, at USC a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I don't know. It's learn more about USC when they play UCLA this weekend, even though UCLA just lost to Arizona. So Pac-12 is cannibalizing. I can't even say it. Cannibalizing, cannibalizing itself yeah again so did we did we talk about last time the implications of like k-state and tcu both winning out that that this the sugar bowl scenario becomes basically a guarantee for k-state at that point of both tcu and k-state went out this i point don't in time. know that i don't know that we discussed it but yeah if kansas basically kansas state all they have to do is win out yeah, it didn't end, or I guess because you, you need TC to win out too. I get that because they have to be in the playoff. But yeah, if they both went out, then Kansas State's sitting there and going to play in the Sugar Bowl no matter what. And yep. interestingly enough, the the SEC example on the other side is basically the same thing for LSU. Like they're likely going to be in the Sugar Bowl no matter what. Yeah, and in eleven days from now, we're recording this on Wednesday. K State will, if if they want go two and zero and TCU goes two and zero, K State will know that they're going to the Sugar Bowl essentially. I mean, that's, that's going to be locked in no matter what happens to big 12 championship at that point, assuming TCU also goes two and zero because there's, it's hard to fathom TCU, you know, not losing a game and falling out of the playoff at this point. And so that, that is what would occur. And uh, I, I tell you, it, it, 
the Big 12 championship is still a huge deal, but it, it, it's nice to have that fallback of potentially going to the Sugar Bowl, even if you drop that that Big 12 title game, right? Because the relevancy factor is still there. You're not getting dumped down to Alamo Bowl again, like we've seen with K-State in the past, which is still too soon to bring up. So I shouldn't have done that, but you know that that's a nice benefit. So if you're a K-State fan, cheer on TCU the next two games. They've got, I think they're, they're at Baylor this weekend, right? So... You know, if they get by that one, then I think they've got what is it, Iowa State? And they finish uh, with Iowa State, yeah. And Fort Worth, so they they should be okay to, you know, get to undefeated mark if they can get past this weekend, and then you know, K State go two and zero, baby. There's two big weeks right here. And obviously, that Sugar Bowl would obviously have a tough opponent. It would, you know, hypothetically speaking, if they get there, it's likely LSU at this point. It's what it looks to be, unless you know, a lot of unrest and chaos were, were to happen and obviously they played LSU in the bowl game last year so it'd be two years in a row against LSU in a bowl game if that were to come to fruition it, it would is interesting it's because under this premise they're saying maybe you lose in a big 12 championship game you still have a shot at a 10th win because if we went out you get nine wins so getting that 10th win I think would be substantial for the program yeah I, I'd enjoy 11 wins yeah yeah well, I'll tell you, we'll talk more in detail. We don't get too ahead of ourselves, but LSU is a team that I would want to play. Yeah, I know it's in their backyard in New Orleans, but yeah, you, know, I, you, see, you see that guy that was running around tackling everybody all over the field. Well, it, he's he's a bit of a problem, Harold <laughs> yeah. Perkins. Uh, yeah. BJ Ujolari is a bit of a problem too. But what I will say is, they they hung 13 points on Arkansas that had to go to its third string quarterback. All right. And that's an Arkansas team that's now five and five. And I watched that entire game because I actually had a little bit of money on Arkansas and uh, made that wager five minutes before KJ Jefferson was ruled out as the quarterback for the, uh, the Razorback. So that was lovely. Uh, but I don't trust Jaden Daniels. I think he's a mistake prone quarterback and I would like to go up against him and see K state's defense play that LSU offense. I think it'd be a fun game. So I'd, I'd much rather play them than Tennessee. Oh God, yes, yes. Plus, they—I mean, they—you know—they're not going to be that fired up about the game as we've already seen again by Twitter LSU small town TV Twitter guy. Um, you know, they're not going to be that fired up for the game. So yeah, I, I think there would be a, a lot of benefit to playing LSU if if we get there. If we get there, okay. We don't have a DY Sunday conversation of the week on Tuesday, but we do uh, have a chance to talk with. Dayon Savage, who was Kobe Savage's father, uh, he wanted to pop on and say a few things in the aftermath of not only a tremendous season for Kobe Savage, but unfortunately the end of his season with an injury that, that he suffered on Saturday against Baylor. So we will get to that coming up next. All right, we're here with Dayon Savage on 3 who is uh, Kobe Savage's dad. Kobe, obviously a phenomenal player for the Cats this year, unfortunately after the season, after uh, an injury that he suffered against Baylor. But uh and we'll just start with this and, and appreciate you taking the time to, to pop on with us here day on in the, the aftermath of this injury. Just how, how is, how is Kobe doing these days? Kobe's doing a lot better. I spoke with him last night and he told me that he's, he's in his normal routine and he's taking on the aspect of coaching, the coaching role and helping his younger teammates out. So I think he's, he's handling it a whole lot better than, than I am. Yeah. Well, I get, I get understand that, you know, kids seem to be uh pretty resilient. Just what, what's your, assessment of kind of what this this first season at K-State has been like for him and for you guys? Uh, it's, it's, it's been awesome, man. Uh, we couldn't have dreamed or scripted this to be any better. I mean, from 
from the top all the way down. I mean, the coaches, the fans, the other players, and the parents, man. I there's our parent group is so strong, and I mean, it's just it's unbelievable the the love that's shown at Kansas State and the love for other sports. I mean, it's it's just a great place. Well, no, I've seen you you mention and some of the players' parents mentioned. You know, I mean, the culture and what the culture is like on this team. We hear a lot of people talk about that from your perspective as a parent you know what how strong is the culture that this team has and, and how unique do you think that is to college football i i've been around sports all my life i've even played college basketball but i've never seen teams that are so close like like they were i mean i knew they were close but when kobe went down the other day and i was in the locker room and on the sideline those boys are truly brothers. I mean, some people say it, but Kansas State is all about it. They they say it and they mean it. When they say family, it's really family. I don't imagine. I mean, what have you guys received a lot of well wishes and things like that for Kobe since since that happened? That that would seem to be another thing that would that would fall kind of in line with that from the fan base, et cetera. Yes, yes. The fans, they've reached out on Twitter. Um, there's like four or five dads that I talk to a lot. Uh, Anthony Frias, his dad is way out in California. And I mean, I'm a country Texas boy, East Texas boy, and he's a California boy. But I mean, the love for our kids and the love for Kansas State, that's what brings us all together. So, I mean, Coach Kleiman, they, they recruit great kids, but they recruit great families as well. What what can K-State fans do, Dayon, to, to help lift Kobe's spirits even more? I mean, is there is there a way to get a hold of him or get in touch with him? I mean, how, how is he doing emotionally right now? Kobe Kobe is 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 up. He's up. I mean, my me and his mother and my parents and his grandparents on his mother's side, we've always instilled the love of Jesus Christ in him and he knows that that's who we're gonna lean to. I mean, we we don't understand why this happened, but there's a reason why God allowed this to happen. And he, he might want – he's writing Kobe's story, and he might be giving Kobe a bigger testimony for some other kid to lean to one of these days. I mean, there, there's always a reason for everything that happens in life. Yeah, didn't, you say that, didn't you say that Coach Tang even reached out as well? Coach Tang has reached out. He's reached out to me, and he he actually the, – the basketball coach here at my high school – he actually knew him for years, and I've followed Coach Tang's career ever since he was a high school coach in Texas. So uh, that that's kind of the connection with us and Coach Tang. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, it, it makes sense. Seems like seems like Tang is such a man of the people that he would know about everybody. So that, that fits right in. Um, well, I guess just any any closing message uh, to the fans uh, that that have supported Kobe this year, and, and obviously will moving forward. We, we appreciate it, and let's let's keep on supporting those other guys that are still playing because I'll be in Kansas next weekend so we can whoop those Jayhawks. <laughs> That's right. Will we, will we potentially see you in Arlington then, I would imagine? I'll, I'll be there with bails on. Okay. <laughs> All right. Love it. Well, Dayon, uh, thanks for taking some time to uh, join us. Sincerely, best of luck uh, in the recovery to Kobe. You know, we're all, we're all cheering for him, obviously, as we have been throughout this year. So uh, we appreciate it and take care. Thank you for having me on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we appreciate Dayon taking the time to, uh, to pop in here. Great dude. Obviously, Kobe Savage. Great dude as well, and has been a phenomenal player. And uh, all of us wishing the best uh, for a speedy recovery for him, and look forward to seeing him get back into a K State uniform next season. Cole claims that he has been focused on West Virginia. This is where we really find out. Earlier in the podcast, it seemed pretty shaky. Uh, it was shaky last week when DY and I were left to do the opponent preview, but that didn't seem to matter. K State took care of business against Baylor, so. Uh, Let's find out how how well researched Cole is on the Mountaineers here. I guess we can we can start with that West Virginia offense. Ah, uh, I did way more prep work on the defense. I was still trying to pull some numbers on the offense right there. Uh, They've got super old receivers that have been around forever. I know that, like Bryce well, Meaton and Sam James. I mean, those dudes feel like they've been around as long as the Sills brothers. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I was going to hit on actually. So Bryce Ford Wheaton, a big physical receiver, six three, two hundred twenty five pounds, and. 139 receptions, over 1,800 yards receiving in his career. And then Sam James, a senior, kind of a smaller receiver at 5'11", compared to Bryce Ford Wheaton, but over 2,100 yards receiving in his career and, you know, 185 receptions. And then Jaden Prather, another big 6'4 receiver uh, that's got close to 700 yards receiving in his career. So you add those three guys up, but you add especially Ford Wheaton and Sam James up, you're talking about, you know, over 300 receptions and over 4,000 yards receiving in their career. So it's a veteran receiving group. You know, they, they do drop some passes. That's one thing I gathered from just talking to, uh, to Kuz's corner, a show I did in West Virginia last night, that they are prone to some drops, but they're also prone to some big games. We've seen Bryce Ford Wheaton have some monster games in his career. So uh, I, I think back to drops, I think back to the first drive of the game in Manhattan last year when they had a, an open pass downfield on the, the first series of the game and it got batted up in the air by the receiver and Russ Yeast picked it off and the game went from there. So, you know, that's, that's to me their biggest strength. And they have a couple of really nice offensive linemen. Their starting center, Frazier, he's a really good player. And uh, their left tackle is a, a really good player. So it'll be interesting watching K-State's defensive ends go up against them. And, you know, C.J. Donaldson, stud running back, 6'2", 240-pound freshman that was averaging six yards per carry. He's out for the year. So that's a big loss for him. Tony Mathias Jr. is a, a kid that's a sophomore. And I, I watched him play against Baylor on that Thursday night where, where West Virginia won 43 to 40 and he ran for over 150 yards in that game and looked really good. Um, but he's been pretty pedestrian in most of their other games. He's had one other hundred yard game just last week. I think he averaged less than three yards per carry. 
you know, he's got 545 yards on the year, four and a half yards per carry, but a lot of, a lot of those numbers are inflated just by that game against Baylor. So, you know, if, if they go with Garrett green, he's going to be more of that running quarterback. We already talked about JT Daniels earlier on the show, what he could bring to the table. Uh, you know, he also brings some interceptions to the table and that's, that's one of the biggest concerns. What I gathered from talking to, to Kuzis corner last night was just that they're really down on JT Daniels and some of the mistakes yeah. he's making in the passing game, like as a fan base, they just seem to be over that and ready to move on. I guess he was just completely overshooting some receivers under throwing them last week. They don't know if he's banged up or just, it's a mental thing right now, but uh, you know, he's also made a lot of mistakes. I think they, he's got interceptions in each of their last four games. Um, and yeah, you look at the turnover margin, that's going to be such a huge factor in this game because K-State is tied for seventh in the country with a plus 11 turnover margin. West Virginia is 117th in the country with a minus seven turnover margin. They've only four state turnovers this year, and they've turned the ball over 15 times. I like that. K-State finally, by the way, forced turnovers yeah. uh, on the road in, in Waco, so that, that doesn't seem to be an issue anymore. Um, what about the uh, what about the West Virginia D? Cole. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about stills, uh, who's a really good player up front. The strength of their team is probably that front four, uh, but their secondary talked about it earlier that they're just, they're really bad. They've really struggled. I'm actually surprised Oklahoma wasn't able to do more, but I, I think the weather probably had a part of a factor in that and impacting Oklahoma's passing game. And I know Marvin Mims also dropped a, a big play um, that could have went for a touchdown for OU in that game as well. But the weather was not ideal with the rain and wind last Saturday against the Sooners in Morgantown. Uh, you know, let me just run through a few numbers for you about this West Virginia defense, especially the secondary. 8.8 yards per pass allowed. That's 126 out of 131 FBS teams and is dead last among all Power 5 schools. 14.2 yards per completion. 126 out of 131 FBS teams once again. 6.3 yards per play allowed, ranking 121st in the country and last in the Big 12. 124th in points per drive allowed and last in the Big 12 at 3.09 points per drive. 121st in the country in pass efficiency defense as well out of 131 FBS teams. And then, you know, if I'm going to say strength, I mean, they're giving up 4.4 yards per rush, but that still ranks 86 in the country. And over the last three games, they're allowing 5.3 yards per carry. So there's a, that West Virginia defense has, has not been good, clearly. And uh, they don't force a lot of mistakes. They don't force a lot of turnovers. They don't pressure the quarterback all that well. Stills is really their go-to guy when it comes to that. But outside of him, they, they don't get after the quarterback that well. So this is a game where, where Will Howard and K-State's passing attack should be able to have be really effective. Um, it, the weather doesn't look like it's going to be high winds or any sort of rain. It just looks like it's going to be cold, um, but but nothing implicating the passing game outside of that. So, and, and Will Howard should be used to it. He's from Pennsylvania. He's going back close to home. So, uh, I I look for K State's passing attack to have success, and I, I think K State will have success in the run game too. You know, Eric Gray ran for 200 yards plus against West yeah. Virginia last week. So you can run on these guys too. I think K-State should be able to have a balanced attack and be really effective offensively. Historically, uh, West Virginia has really struggled on that side of the ball under Neil Brown. He's never really had an answer on defense. He's an offensive-minded coach. That's how he kind of, you know, came up in the business and everything as well. So um, he, uh, 
Sheesh. He, hasn't, he hasn't had a good defensive coordinator. Uh, he, he had Vic Kenning, didn't he? Didn't he fire Vic Kenning out of the gate too? Was his initial defensive? Uh, he got he got in some hot water, didn't he? I think he did something to get in trouble. Yeah. Well, they just haven't had necessarily a good defensive coach to kind of lead that side of the ball yet, and I think that's you know something that Neil Brown just hasn't found a solution in Morgantown too. That's. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. I remember how excited I was watching the coaching hot boards when they get K State got Vic Caning to to come in to Manhattan. Blake Siler so. was Blake Siler was an assistant on that side of the ball. He was smart. He got out of there. So, <laughs> well, I think John and I probably just remember it was a Tony Gibson, John, that always gave K State fits. Yeah, that uh, guy, man. Yeah, yeah, that guy would dance. Yeah, because that he was like doing the three three five before yeah. it was as prevalent everywhere else, and that that gave K State some real issues. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are good defenses. Those were. I mean, so what's the real quick? What's what's the path for for West Virginia to win this thing? Like, what what's the path? How does that happen? And they're going to. They need turnovers. They because Kansas State's going to probably move the ball on them. I would imagine they're going to need turnovers, and they're going to need to play a very gamble kind of offense and look for those big plays and the extend drives. I think you kind of got to empty the tank on the offensive side of the ball and just throw everything at them that you can and then hope you get big plays through turnovers on defense. Yeah. I think turnovers are always a huge part. Right. And, you know, if K-State wins a turnover battle, I think they'll be in pretty good shape. You know, West Virginia, I think their path is just to throw everything on the table, go for it on fourth downs, um, take risks, be aggressive. I think they faked a punt against OU. Is that right? Uh, that's what they told me last night on the show. So it seems like Neil Brown um, is being more aggressive now. They got nothing to lose. Uh, and big plays. I mean, I think if K-State can limit the big plays, especially if it's Garrett Green at the quarterback position, if you make them drive the length of the field, I, there's more opportunities for a mistake to be made at that point. You know, they've got some big play guys at the receiver position. So you know, limit the big plays, make them drive the length of the field, and it, they're prone to make mistakes at that point. So, uh, yeah, I, that's going to be the key for them if you're looking at it from West Virginia angle. And then the one thing I'll say, special teams, they're pretty good. You know, Casey Leg, their place kicker, he hasn't missed a kick all year. Um, and, you know, they're 16th in the country in punt punt return coverage on the, uh, the punt coverage team. So they, don't, they haven't given up a lot on either return side of the house. I think they've given up one kick return touchdown. But, uh, you know, we'll see what the weather's like. Maybe K-State can make a big special teams play against these guys. Would take it. Would take it for sure. I would also take some quick hitters. We're getting to that next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. 
All right, quick hitters time here on 3Mom. Uh, this has been uh, under construction a little bit during the show, so what I sent you last night for that outline, boys, uh, might be a little, little bit different here, so get ready for that. This one, of course, you heard earlier in the show. This is paying off a tease. Paying off a tease over under 0.5 designed quarterback runs for Will Howard on Saturday. With Adrian Martinez out, one snap away from going back to, to Jake Rubley or Darren Lewis, whoever it would be, um, does K-State run the quarterback, basically, is the question here. Over, under, 0.5. I'll go, I'll go over, just because uh, they had that same situation last week, and Will Howard got two carries, I think two design carries as well. Yeah. You run, you run, They run so much stuff. It, so much stuff is in their playbook is predicated off of QB power. I mean, they if you're going – like, this was a play that Kansas State ran last week. They did, you know – Basically, Will Howard faked like it was going to be QB power. And he backed up and he threw it. If you're going to do stuff like that, you have to run it here and there. Um, and he'll probably scamper out on a on a scramble as well. I imagine at least one time. I'm saying design design quarterback runs. So okay, design. Well, design I still think you'll go over. I think it'll be one or two. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go over as well. I'll just be encouraging Will Howard to get down as quickly as possible. If it's a situation where he just needs a couple yards, as soon as he gets that, get down. Unless if anybody's coming close, get out of bounds. So, what, what do you, John? You don't like that there? You want him to run through somebody? No, I want him to not run. Well, I, I, I don't think it's going to be a high number. He hasn't ran it much since the, you know, the TCU game. He ran it a few times. They didn't run him at all, really, except a right, couple times in the TCU game. Yeah, well, and they've cut down Oklahoma State. I think, what, they ran it once or twice on QB design runs, and then D.Y. mentioned twice against Baylor. So, look, I if I, I just don't – I don't run him running, like, a lot of QB power up the middle, you know, where you're going to definitely absorb hits. Like, I could see, you know, some read plays and get him on the outside where you can get him to the boundary and then, you know, give him run pass option a couple times. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I hopefully it's not much. I just don't think he's quick enough to get to the boundary, but that's my Give me thing. the under. Give me the under. Give me the under. Just blind hope. Give me the under. Don't want to mess with it. Don't want to mess with it at all. I told you about my nightmare earlier this week. Did you hear what, what, what Will Howard's answer was? The area that he wanted to get better at? Wanted to be able to run the ball. No. No, Will, Will you just focus on that, uh, what yeah, you're doing Will, well. You, you just keep slinging the pill, buddy. You're doing a great <laughs> job. I don't need you to do anything else. You, you just keep doing that. That is it. Uh, all right. Speaking of quarterbacks, who takes the first snap at QB for K-State on August 31st, 2024, when they welcome UT Martin into Manhattan? Will Howard. Yep. Will Howard. All right. So no, nobody, obviously, I'm, I'm pulling at the Avery Johnson conversation there. Yeah. I think ideally they, they wanted to probably nurse him along in year one anyways so, and hope they wouldn't be um, – you know, pressured or, you know, forced to go to him too, too early. So I think this is probably an ideal situation um, with the way that Will Howard has ascended this year. Who takes the most snaps at quarterback in 2024? 24? Yeah. That's two years from now. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's what well, I said. That's the year. That's yeah, what I that. said. I said 2024 for the last one. Who takes the first snap? Well, in I was just thinking next season. You open up a can of worms when you say 24. That's, that's the point. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to still say Will Howard, although, I mean, look, it, it, you have to be thinking about this. How much does Will Howard progress over this offseason into next year? How does he finish this year? You know, he could have a really good year next year. 
And we could be potentially talking about NFL prospect Will Howard right. because his physical stature is what NFL teams like. I mean, he's a big kid. He's 6'4 plus, 230 pounds. Um, and so if he ascends and gets to that level, he could potentially go pro, but he's, I, I don't know, like if, if he plays well but doesn't want to go pro, Avery Johnson's not going to over, they're not going to bench Will Howard, who's been a solid quarterback. So I, I have to say that it's going to be Will Howard still. I, I think he'll probably come back. I think Avery Johnson will be the starting quarterback his redshirt sophomore season. Uh, so. They'll have to find, look, they're going to have to find ways to get him snaps, John. Mm -hmm. They'll have to throw some wrinkles in there, probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, if Will Howard's playing at this level where he's, you know, 4.6 points per drive, whatever, like you can't, I mean, what, yeah, obviously you got to play him, but I mean, man, I'm not, because I'm an idiot and I thought it was 23, 24. I'm not as married to the idea of Will Howard because either, look, this is what college athletics have become. I'm not saying I'm a proponent of it, but I think it's at the point where Will Howard plays well enough next year where it's his last year, or he plays poor enough next year where it's his last year. <laughs> so well enough that he would go pro? Yeah. Or poor enough that he would transfer? Yeah, or, you know, that they would maybe look a different route. I think that's – we can't say it doesn't operate that like that as much as everyone else, so I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but I think that's an avenue to consider, that he plays well enough to – to leave early and go pro or he plays poorly enough to where Avery Johnson starts to, you know, enter the quarterback situation. So 24, I think, I think it's probably more likely it's Avery. Did you answer John? What's your answer? I, I would be a slight, I'd be a slight lean Will Howard, but it is tough because I, I Derek is right. Like you just, you don't see quarterback situations like that working out long-term like these long-term marriages like you used to in college football because yes one thing or the other will happen uh, kids that come in that are super talented want to play and you want to get them on the field and also guys that play really well they're they're gone because the draft status goes up that quickly and people are so desperate for quarterbacks so i, I understand the theory there i would just say I, even as much I, i've been the guy right leading the bandwagon for will before i get to like all right will's gonna be uh, first second round NFL draft pick or something like I, I need to see more I do need to see more there so yeah. well, I do too I would just say that I think the routes are you play so well you're growing here or you play so poorly that this happens I think that's probably what we're looking at next year would be his fourth season anyway yeah. well what and what I would say is we've still got several games to go the rest of this way and if Will Howard shines these last few weeks, including marquee moments against potentially TCU in the Big 12 championship and then potentially in a Sugar Bowl, right? You know, then I, I probably change my stance and start to think that, you know, Will Howard after next season is going pro. You know, if he does extremely well, like I'm going to start, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't continue to progress and ascend in the offseason and have a great year next year as long as K State gets him some weapons and the receiving game to replace Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, and some of the guys they'll lose. It's probably fair. It'll probably be a little bit easier in the transfer portal. That's that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say, John. I mean, they should be with the offense that they're showing right now. They threw it 37 times against OSU and 35 times against Baylor and the willingness to throw the ball downfield and to have a proven quarterback, a passing quarterback. This should become an attractive spot for transfer receivers heading into next year. So, you know, I think the portal activity opens up what DY December 5th, uh, you know, right after the Big 12 championship. So, Maybe we'll all see some I, guys. Yeah, all I will say on that, and, and I know Kansas State is competitive in the NIL game, but the transfer portal, it, 
oftentimes it's very nil centric sometimes you can you can present the ideal situation to a player and they're going to take the better deal no well they they've been pretty good in the portal they've been able to figure some things out even if it's not a super high profile guy uh yeah. i mean look at like kate warner i mean like I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't think Cade Warner was going to contribute very much at all. And uh, he's turned into a really productive player. So even even guys of that ilk, you know, I, yeah. I think, I think maybe, right. yeah, and hopefully Jaden Jackson, the light comes on there. At least he played last yeah. week. Yeah, true. Uh, how many future head coaches are on this staff right now? So like Colin Klein, Joe Klanderman, Van Malone would seem to be like one, two, three that you would say have a, have a decent shot there at some point Van, in their career. Van Malone. Joe Klanderman, uh, Colin Klein, Nimbo. No. My thought was, you know, like Scott Frost was a GA on Prince's staff, right? Like th there's got to be somebody that we just don't even know that much about right now or aren't talking, talking that much about that has a very bright future ahead of them maybe, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, they think I think they think pretty highly of Josh Buford to come over from Hawaii. He's a Kansas City guy that works with the quarterbacks a little bit. I don't know if he's quality control or analyst. I think that's a name that I would bring up. I don't know if it's head coach material, but he's going to be a coach at some point. I would think full time coach. I don't, so yeah, no, I, I think the names that you mentioned are probably the only ones that instantly come to mind for me. I would go Klein, Klanderman, Van Malone. Don't know, don't know when. Um, that that's a million dollar question. You do think it's a lock that all three of those guys wind up being head coaches? Man, yeah. I think Van Malone has been in pursuit of that for the majority of his career. But, yeah. um, that's what he's gunning for. I think he should get a shot. And Joe Klinerman, Colin Klein, if the, I don't know where they would do it or when they would do it, but you, you have this good of a side of the ball on a consistent basis, you're going to become a guy. Well, Joe Klanderman, by the way, on the Broyles Award watch list for the best assistant coach in the country. So yeah, that's, big to, to that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, you get on that list and you're looking at you're going to have some you're gonna have some teams throw a lot of money at you in some capacity. Uh, he's he's gonna get a nice raise probably from Kansas State and and hopefully the relationship with Kleiman is enough to keep Joe Klanderman here um with the bump in his salary. Uh, I know K State would Yeah, they were good last yeah. round though. Well, I mean, that's so last year they put up the lowest points per drive allowed by a K-State defense since 2013. So going back eight years, and that was Joe Klanderman as D coordinator last year. And this year, K-State ranks 21st in the country in points per drive allowed defensively at 1.71. Brian Fremau uh, has a website. He tracks points per drive and uh, has gone back from all the way to 2007 um, to track that data. And it's the lowest points per drive allowed by a K-State defense in that entire 15 years. So, you know, you think about that 2012 defense with Arthur Brown and some of those guys, this defense is slightly better performing better as far as points per drive than that defense did, uh, which is saying something when you go up against the offenses you do in this league. Yeah. You know, I just absolutely. did think of someone else. He's a GA and his name's going to be familiar, but there, there has been praise about him and how good of a coach he's going to eventually be. Chris Kleiman's son, Devin Kleiman. Oh, okay. Hey, there you go. All right, that's a good name. That's what we're looking for right there. Well, I, um, I, I throw out Brian Lep. Uh, am I going to screw his name at Lepak? Lepak. 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 
I mean, he's an extremely bright guy, we know, and he's he's younger. But yeah. I mean, down the road, maybe. Do uh, do Texas or Oklahoma win the Big Twelve again before leaving? Either one. They're gonna. I mean, it's set, basically set in. It's not set in stone, but it's pretty damn close to it that they're gonna be around for the next two years. Two more seasons. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's either of them, it's Texas. Oklahoma's just too far. I think. I agree. I know, Texas I, know they can, I know they can flip it quick, but with Venables being so green as a coach, and I mean, they they technically tried to flip it this year, right? They flipped that roster, all this stuff, and this is what we're seeing. I think it's if it's anyone, it's Texas. But do you think Texas? But but the, there's the pro, therein lies the problem. Like if it were Oklahoma that was a little closer, be like, well, you know, I mean, they can figure it out. They're Oklahoma. Texas is going to Texas. You know, they're going to do Texas things. Yeah. I, I don't. Well, and Sark I mean, is still their coach. I, you know, unless they they fire Sark this offseason, I yeah, I don't think it's either one. You have Arch Manning as your quarterback at some point too, in one of those two years, at least one of those two years. No more Bijan Robinson though. So yeah, I don't know. No, they don't even use him anyway. So <laughs> except when they play K State. I will. I'll say. I'll say no, but I think Texas is going to get close. Uh, uh, that's, that's a really tough one. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lean towards now. I'm gonna say no, because I. I think you're looking really at just Texas because Brent Venables isn't isn't a very good football coach, which I've been saying for more than a decade, and you know it. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to get that thing on the right track. Uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if he's not the head coach when they enter the SEC at OU. Um, I know it's early, but I, I just – I don't know. A lot of questions being raised there. So then you're just looking at Texas. And I, I think Texas has a real opportunity next year to be pretty good, even though they're going to lose Bijan Robinson. they got a lot of other young players that will be back. But I still – I can't put my faith in that Texas team because every time I think they're about to turn the corner – they do something like they did against TCU on Saturday. I thought they'd win by double digits, and and they lost that game. So, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no. Uh, you got 14 teams in the Big 12 starting next year, and uh, I'm gonna say that uh, I'll take the field over OU and Texas getting a Big 12 title over the next couple of years. It's the fall. It's a great time of year, boys. We got uh, we got college football out there. Obviously, um, I'm not so sure that that these two gentlemen feel like the fall has been great though. Uh, who's having a better fall? Would that be Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M or Elon Musk at Twitter? Who's having the better fall? Uh, Jimbo Jimbo Fisher is having the better fall because he's got a hundred million dollar contract uh, raking in the money, and and Elon yeah, Musk Elon's is, like the richest guy in the world, isn't he? Yeah, but he just dropped forty four billion and, and is a disaster on it. So uh, that seems like a pretty bad purchase um, for what he's doing with Twitter right now. So I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're looking at you know, Elon Musk's entire portfolio. Yeah. It's probably pretty nice to have all the money he has, but uh, if we're talking about just this fall, Jimbo can get fired and has guaranteed hundred million dollar deal or whatever it is. And Elon just dropped 44 billion on what looks like it could be a disastrous purchase. Actually, I think you're right, Cole, because like Jimbo, you don't have, you don't have like the pressure and like everybody, you know, people, the college football world is laughing at Jimbo, but like the nation is laughing at Elon. So the world. Well, the, the world. world. Yes, you're correct. I mean, the world. So yeah, there's like less less spotlight there. I mean, so I got to deal with a bunch of crazy cult people in Colorado, <laughs> Texas. Nah, whatever. That's fine. I'll take my money and be all right. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, DY's got nothing. He, he just he agrees. This, DY, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the time that we were doing radio, and there was some story. It was like the free Britney days, and there was some story about Britney Spears. 
And it was like all anybody was talking about. And so we come back in from a break and I just like brought it up and I was like, and I think Mitch was maybe playing some Britney Spears in the background. And I was like, D.Y., like what? Were you Britney, Britney Spears fan back in the day? And I just got like crickets, <laughs> crickets. And I was like, okay, all right, well, we will, not kick, it to DY. We will not kick it to D.Y. for pop culture anymore. No, I'd, no love more to pop be, culture. I'd love to be either one of them and rake and make a hundred millions the the cheapest that I'll be. Uh, I'll I'll take both of their lives right now. John, you know you can always kick it to me for pop culture. You know I'm an expert. Well, you've been you've been getting better. I've you know you've been trying. Vanessa's been helping out. I feel like a little bit. Re- remember when we walked into the hotel in Phoenix uh, before the Cactus Bowl, and the, uh, I asked you if it was R. Kelly being played or something, and you just started laughing hellaciously at me. I don't, but that checks out. I mean, that <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Well, I, I don't call. I, I might trust you more on pop culture than I would on football picks because you're four and six right now in your lead pipe lock of the week. So am I, by the way, I'm not saying I trust me. Um, I put my faith in Kansas last week and the, the Hawks let me down. Oh, I didn't. D-Y, I, I, did you get your pick right last week? No, well, I had East Carolina and they stubbed their toe against Cincinnati. Okay. So DY's five and five. Cole and I are four and six. Well, wait, didn't, didn't East Carolina cover it? They were five and a half, and they lost by five. I got a five and they? a half. Oh, they did cover. You're right. The I had East Carolina money oh. line. That's what pissed me off. I won. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. that's right. Okay, well, DY six and four. There we go. Now we got someone over five hundred. Good, good work. Thanks, Cole. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I don't even know why I help you guys. You don't think you know? I listened to the podcast and heard. Oh yeah, Cole. Okay, you... Cole had a really good Mac bet of the year last year. He can have the floor and just explain this. Let me explain this. Uh, as you guys declined, you knew to mention it, and you refused last week when I was not on the show. My matching Miami, and they lost by forty-two. That was a that was not a great pick. All right, I'm not going to deny that 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 did not play well. And I'll be honest, I never even checked the score that night. I was upset about the Texas game. I didn't check any of the other scores that evening, and that Miami Florida State game was being played at the same time as the K State Texas game. I didn't check until like Monday. I was like, oh, I wonder what happened in my lock of the week. And I checked and I saw it was 45 to three Florida state. <laughs> and uh, that was, that was a really bad pick. I'm on a stretch where I've lost, I think four straight, um, you know, on these locks of the week, but in our private group text, my Maction locks of the week are fire. All right. Last week, Maction bet of the year. I, I only give these out for my subscription service that uh, John, D.Y., Flando, all them pay for. Mason uh, was Ohio, and uh, they covered easily last week. And I gave you guys Ohio again last night, and they covered easily again. So um, that was that was actually my lock of the week was last night, the Maction play. So I'm five and six now. You can update mm, that. Well, that's, Cole also gave us Western Michigan last week, which also did not work. Okay. What a bullshit non-cover that was. Uh, they completely owned the game. They that was that was a bad beat. Um, okay, uh, Dy, why don't you go first? Uh, it, I was going to say, interesting. I'm actually pretty hot right now, just in general betting. But my last two losses are because I took Louisville and TCU basketball, just on a personal level. Do not take Louisville or TCU in basketball right now. One of the worst uh, runs both of those programs are on. Uh, I like UCLA plus one. I think they are the better team against USC. Um, Lincoln Riley, typically he loses when his team is dominated at the line of scrimmage, and UCLA can definitely dominate USC at the line of scrimmage. That's where 
UCLA's advantages is uh, they're really good on the lines this year a lot, and USC's not. So I, I kind of like the Bruins. UCLA plus one. This one doesn't count, but one I like the, uh, this week too is Florida minus 15. Uh, they're playing Vanderbilt, I want to say. Vanderbilt's actually coming off a win. Yeah, they're at right. Kentucky, yeah. so this is a letdown spot. So Florida minus 15 is probably pretty appealing. Well, I uh... – I am going Pac-12 as well. I actually really thought about doing the same thing you did with UCLA. I, I feel like they are a better team, and I, I'm a big I'm a big Lincoln guy. I like him a lot, but I th- th- there's not a lot of meat to what they've done. Um, I'm going to go Oregon minus three against Utah. Um, bounce back spot for Oregon. I, I think USC and Utah are, are fairly overrated. I mean, Utah obviously their their best win is USC. That that Florida performance from earlier in the year hasn't really aged particularly well. Um, I have just, and this is a mistake a lot of people have made over the years. I'm, I'm underestimating Kyle Whittingham, but I've just, I've been relatively unimpressed with what I thought was a super overhyped team in the off season with Utah. So I, I think Oregon will be fired up, bounce back. We know about the offense. We've referenced that a couple of times. They're great. Bonex has been playing great. Um, I think they'll be ready to roll. I was looking at the wrong weeks at games. Uh, <laughs> So, how do you have a subscription service if you don't even know who's playing this week i i had the thanksgiving week games up and i was like why is florida florida state playing on friday night uh so uh can you guys just keep talking for another minute i i just have <laughs> oh to... my god you didn't even here I, i'll share a couple other ones i like the georgia kentucky under 49 and a half because I think Georgia is going to probably destroy them and probably have all the points in that game to themselves. So under 49 and a half, Georgia, Kentucky, just floating that out there for the peeps if they want to tail. Oh boy. Oh gosh. I tell you what folks, I like KU to cover against Texas. It is a huge number now. It's like nine, right? Nine. Yeah. You give me nine in the booth with, you know, I I have to take that nine against a Texas team that's in a really weird spot. I uh, It's my first time probably taking KU to cover in a long, long time. But uh, I, I don't know if I trust Texas in the cold weather, coming off a loss, knowing they don't control their destiny any longer, to come in completely locked in and focused. It's going to be a big game for KU. Now, we know KU is going to be looking ahead to their Super Bowl next week in Manhattan. So it's also a questionable spot for them, but I'm going to take KU to uh, cover. I'm going to be uh, rock chalking it up, hoping the uh, the Jayhawks can uh, knock off the Longhorns. I'm I think staying, I think you're getting Jalen Daniels back too. So I'm staying help. away. I'm staying away from that one. Yeah, just, yeah. Cole, I, the, my thing with that is one, I got I got burned by Kansas last week, and then two, it's like that line is so big. I'm like, in most cases, I'd just be like, I, Vegas knows something here, man, because I there, there's well, a lot. It started off around seven, right? And then uh, got inflated by money. Um, yeah. So. I mean, fair, but even seven felt – I remember seeing seven and being like, all right, we're going to get well, Texas. Well, also thinks KU is a top ten team, so. I'm just nervous, nervous <laughs> about the game. Okay, that's You're it. Nervous. You're nervous about KU's game? Well, yes, actually, this week, yes, because we need, we need the Hawks to win, folks. Not only to help K-State secure a spot in Arlington, but, you know, let's keep that – Keep that fire burning bright for good old Lance Leipold, you know, heading into the offseason here. Although I, all this smoke is coming out about Nebraska hiring a coach really soon. And obviously, if they're hiring very soon, that, that, that ain't going to be Lance. 
So uh, it's probably gonna be Matt Rule if if that's the case. That would be my guess on timing. Derek, I, I in the last twenty four hours, I've seen it's Chris Kleiman. I've seen it's Lance Leipold. I've seen it's Matt Rule. I've seen it's Urban Meyer. I've seen there was even another one yesterday where I was like, wow, that one that's kind of new. I've seen it's Mickey Joseph. No, but they don't know. They don't know what the hell is going on. No, just timing. I was thinking Matt Rule would be the only one that maybe makes sense on the timing, or Mickey Joseph if you're going to extend him. But that'd be a joke. I don't think you would. Be yeah, I don't think you would, you would have too many fans left if if you did that. Here's the interesting part of it all: this coaching cycle that I don't think is being talked about enough. Just because I thought everyone, at least I did, thought it was a foregone conclusion. I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion. Wisconsin goes with Jim Leonard. They haven't exactly been very good with him. Well, that I like. That I like. All right. Well, you know, nice big win over Texas. Iowa. Yeah, nice big win over Texas. That you know, keep the seven wins, mm-hmm. rolling right into prime time on Fox, seven o'clock next. What do you minute. What do you think, Colt? Do you think Jim Leonard's foregone conclusion in Wisconsin still? I don't. No, know. no, no. I don't think so. And my sources have indicated to me, my my Madison sources, that Lance Leipold might have been in Wisconsin last week. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't have credible reporting on that, but, uh, no, I, I think, I, I don't think Leonard's a foregone conclusion. I don't think it's uh, to the point where they're just going to name him the coach. I think they're going to do a search and, yeah. you know, conduct something. And then if they don't get who they like, maybe they stick with Leonard, but I think it's going to be a formal search at this point. Well, if Kansas, they're going to have to dump a bag at that offensive coordinator this offseason, too, um, in addition to Lance Leipold, if they're going to keep those guys around. Uh, prediction time. I Earlier in the week, I was feeling more like 31-24. I, the, the John Kurtz line has moved up to, to 10 now with uh, 34-24. We give K-State another little Ty Zentner field goal to chip in there and make it 10 and uh, cover out in Morgantown. What do you guys have? I I think Kansas State plays really good football against a, an inferior opponent, very inferior opponent for the first time. And um, you could have said that maybe that's Oklahoma State, but I, I definitely think that's West Virginia. I think Oklahoma State was just shredded. Probably not fair to say that about them. So I think Kansas State wins very comfortably. I, I like it. But I do think West Virginia will be greedy and desperate and throw the kitchen sink out there and probably find enough points on the offensive end to – maybe cast some doubt here and there, but I like Kansas State 38 to 20. Well, I love that. I hope you're right, D.Y. That'd make my Saturday a lot more stress-free than what I'm feeling right now. I'm going to take K-State 31 to 23. Um, You know, I I think West Virginia will hang around uh, for much of this game. Now, I say this, I I think one of the biggest things for K-State is going to be to get off to a, a good, fast start. Because you can create the doubt then in West Virginia, not only from the fans. I, I know like it's they've had a lot of empty seats this year, but you take those fans that are there out of the game early, you create doubt and, and start get those players for West Virginia to start to wonder like All right, the season's over pretty much at this point. You get up by two scores early. I, I think K State can really roll. And so, you know, if they can come out locked in and, and play well early on like they did against OSU and they did against Baylor, I think they could definitely win this game in a blowout fashion. But I'll take K-State by eight right now, which is right around where the line is. I think K-State's seven and a half as we record on Wednesday. All right. All the way across the board, we've got the Cats. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be talking to you joyously on Sunday slash – well, Monday, I guess, Monday. 
We're talking to you joyously with K-State locking down a spot in the Big 12 championship game because the Hawks and the Cats, the Ad Astra Bros, go get it done on Saturday. Ad Astra Bros. Ad Astra per Aspra. You know, I've always said it. Cole, you have something else to add? I thought you had something else to add there. No. Okay. No, All right. Just, we're done. Uh, just cheering on KU this this weekend and uh, and K State. Hope you know what is it? Team yeah. State Conference TSC from our Go Email days. Team yeah. State Conference. Beacom uh, is that a thing? Beacom Beacom Hawks. Do they say that? Is that a uh, uh, wave the wave the wheat? Um, you know, we we know how much Kansas loves being uh, you know in the the agriculture of the state. So you know, wave that wheat. All those things. All right. Let's get out of here before we have to do much more of that. Remember, speaking of KUK State, we're going to have a tailgate where you can come stop by, say hi, have a drink, meet us, um, at least two of us, maybe DY, for the KUK State game. More details on that coming up uh, next week. And uh, keep that in mind. Support Holiday Distillery. Grab your 360 vodka, your Ben Holiday bottle and bond bourbon. For Jed Marshall and Tucker Franklin behind the scenes, for Derek Young, for Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Take care. We'll see you soon here on 3 This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.